Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Brian Gray and Talking Shop. Talking Shop, the podcast where I, Brian Gray, dive into my guest relationship with their work uh, to learn why they do what they love to do. Tonight is a very special and unusual Talking Shop. Uh, normally, we have a guest on stage holding a religious-themed mug. Why, you might ask, is this night different from all other nights? <laughs> Tonight, we have eight guests on stage. Uh, they make up what was the longest-running house team in Pittsburgh until they retired from Totally Free Mondays last September, uh, and they continue to perform. I don't want to say that like they're no longer uh, rocking it. Uh, they changed the way that, that I saw Harold, um, and I believe many others in this town, um, with both small details and large journeys. Tonight we figure out just how they do that and discover what makes them tick. Ladies and gentlemen, the well-known strangers. I'm going to start with a few questions that are probably going to be more for Brett, Tessa, and Ben, who were there in the, the earlier days, the formative days of The Well-Known Strangers. Um, so off the bat, I just want to ask what I think is on everyone's mind. Um, where, where did The Strangers' obsession with pizza come from? Uh, yeah, well, um, uh, who doesn't like a, a good slice? <laughs> That's all I need to say about that. No, um, uh, I think it all came out of a practice one time. Uh, Lauren Kozlowski, one of our original members, uh, was initiating how we started the Herald, our opening with something Woody dubbed a Rod Serling. And, uh, you know, you kind of give a couple examples of a phrase. And I think Lauren's were both about pizza or somebody's <laughs> before it was about pizza and he repeated it. But we all chuckled, and I'm pretty sure it was that quick. We just really embraced it, and then it just kept coming up, and then that was it. Yeah. Tons of pizza all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've... I think actually recently was the first time I've ever seen the group open where one of your example sentences was not about pizza. But I think for years and years, I everyone was about pizza. Well, yeah. It, w the reason we're changing it a little bit is because it it became kind of a problem. Like, uh, <laughs> we did a show in Chicago, and, uh, you know, each, each thing we did was about pizza. We'd be like, you know, this pizza is weird, or it smells like pizza in here. And somebody in the audience was like, does it have to be about pizza? I <laughs> <laughs> wanted to set the record straight. It does not. Well, Chicago, <laughs> Chicagoans are not used to how improv works. That's right. So, um, uh, yeah, speaking about that, that opening, um, Maybe Ben or Tessa, you can can help. So Woody, Woody told me that early on he wanted to challenge you to find your own identity um, as a group. And a big part of this, he said, was this the Rod Serling opening, as he calls it. Uh, can you describe what that is and, and how it came about for you, for the group? The Rod Serling opening, well, we were basically just wanting to take 
a phrase or a word from the audience and we settled on the phrase. I think, and then do a monologue, and I think that us choosing the name Well-Known Strangers sort of probably led into him thinking that the Rob Serling approach might be a good approach, and we all jumped onto it. We liked it. we liked that idea a lot. And just explain to people what what it exactly it, it was that you used to open the show. Sure. Like what is the Rob? What Serling we do opening? to open the show is we say, "Can we have a phrase from anyone?" And then we give a suggestion, um, such as "I like your socks" or "This pizza is cold." And then somebody gives us a phrase. As we said, it often ha- they shot food back at us. And then, <laughs> and then food became what our show was supposed to be about. But then we are supposed to pace back and forth and sort of do uh, a non... If we're any character, it would be Rob Serling-type character is what we're aiming for, to sort of lecture on a topic and get kind of broad or general about it, the theme that we extrapolated from the phrase and then have that influence the rest of the show. Yeah, what's interesting to me is that unlike a more traditional opening where um, you guys would all come together and generate a bunch of ideas, this actually happened at the beginning of each scene of the first beats. Um, So it would kind of come back to this more opening mode uh, and then scenes came out. Uh, Was this like when... When, what are you saying about like finding your identity and uh, coming up with this opening? Was this something that you know you you all collaborated with him on, or was this something where he was just like, let's try a bunch of ideas, like here's one, here's another, here's a third, um, and then you were like, yeah, this this is interesting, let's do this. Well, we definitely had we definitely tried a few things out. I think this one, you know, we tried a few different types of openings out, and this one just seemed different from what we were seeing other groups do and hit home to us and kind of nestled in nicely, like I said, with our, I don't know, with our name and our like spirit, I guess. And people have the chance to sort of go out and be an authority on a topic, do a little mini monologue. I think people like that. Uh, cool. Um, you mentioned Lauren Kozlowski. Uh, uh, some, yeah, some of the original strangers um, can't, be here tonight because they don't live in Pittsburgh. Uh, that would include Lauren, uh, Dan Dirks, who's in Chicago, Nicole Antonuccio, also in Chicago. Uh, Connor McCandless is in Pittsburgh, but he's performing as of 10 minutes ago. Um, so one of those strangers is is Nicole, um, wrote of, of these early days, um, it was amazing how organic our growth felt. Uh, Woody would start somewhere and that area would get better. And by the way, I keep mentioning Woody. That's Woody Drennan, uh, who's on podcast episode three, if you're interested in hearing more about him. Uh, so he would start <coughs> somewhere, and that area would get better. Uh, for example, two-person scenes. Then we were ready and need to move on. He would focus on group games. Once that foundation was laid, we started playing with theme and transition and more creative stuff. Um, I'm interested uh, for, for you guys, either who were there earlier or any of you who, who've joined since, like, um, is that is that experience common? Did you feel like you were uh, you you could say yes, we're working on this, or did you just kind of all of a sudden one day be like, oh yeah, like we've gone really far in these past few months or so so forth? That makes sense. Uh, I think it was a slow process. I guess this is um, 
it's something that we were all, especially at the beginning, like uh, just finding it all together. And there was a lot of uh, no judgment whatsoever with whatever was brought up. So uh, if it was, let's try group games, which I think we were usually pretty terrible at. <laughs> we never really got great at them. But uh, <laughs> there were a lot of things that we just went after just because... Uh, it was a fun group to try anything with. And uh, so sometimes it would be something uh, sort of technical like scene transitions or uh, ways to edit, that type of thing. And sometimes it would be more uh, improv-centered, like just about scene work, that type of thing, this way to approach it. So it was like a mix. And so I think we never, I never really thought about like we've come really far. Like week to week, it was just every once in a while you'd think, wow, that show was great. Like we really did something that time that I think people hadn't seen before, so that always felt good. And this uh, kind of no judgment approach, uh, is that is that something that you felt came out of just who you guys are? Or is that something that either Woody or some people on the team had to sit down at some point and kind of say, you know, let's move forward with this attitude where we'll try anything and, you know, no idea is a bad idea and so forth? I think it was us just us being who we were as people and already being familiar with each other and respecting and liking each other from the beginning. It just made it easier. Yeah, we never had to have a talk where we decided <laughs> on that. I think everybody just naturally was like, let's try it, and, and had fun playing with the different ideas. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I think that that's a, a big part, it seems to me, about what, what makes this team really unique. Um, Woody told me that what, what has pleased him most about WKS, really more than anything else, is that um, you guys love each other a lot. Um, he said you all have great character and amazing attitudes, and this has allowed you to grow as improvisers where other teams have stagnated and broke down. Um, and I, I imagine you weren't always that, that close. Uh, you mentioned, it, Ben, you mentioned at the beginning that you guys knew each other um, and were that sort of people. Uh, do you have a sense of like what has contributed to uh, the team being um, like friendships among the team, or I know a lot of you collaborate on other projects and things outside of WKS. Is it just, you know, because to me it's it's not only just that this was a good group of people, because you've added new people, you've had people go away, and I still kind of see, um, you know, this, this attitude uh, continue. So does anyone have a feeling of how that is, or is that just kind of the way that the team goes? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what you're talking I hate every single one of these people, yeah. so I don't no, know. I um, feel that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, what Ben said is right. Uh, we all knew each other. I mean, the uh, original group, and, and later on, we would get to know each other. But let's start with the original group because it's easier. Uh, we all like knew each other and we were in other groups together, a lot of us, but uh, there wasn't any sort of particular effort made to become friends, but we just found ourselves after every show or after every practice going to get a drink or meeting up to talk about things. And we did side projects too that were not really related to the improv house team we, I mean, we did a, the 48-hour film festival and, mm. and just little things like that where we all kind of started off liking each other and familiarity intensifies that. So we were seeing each other and hanging out with each other a lot more and, uh, yeah, it just blossomed. And, and enveloping the new people into that, it was easy for them to 
I don't know if it was easy for them, but it was easy for me to like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me actually ask, so uh, um, Alistair said uh, that sometimes joining an already established team can feel alienating, and he didn't feel that way at all with WKS. Um, uh, Alistair, you joined um, all, almost a full year after the team was kind of churning in process. Uh, what was that experience like for you, and how was it different from maybe experiences you had in the past or you've heard about, I guess? Well, um, it was at first just really nice to come into rehearsal like the first time in the Cathedral of Learning uh, in uh, Oakland over there and just um, sort of play really easily with these guys just on the sort of the first day. And um, I grew up uh, going to high school and sort of middle school with George. And so he kind of uh, introduced me uh, to this group, and um, I had met Woody after a show here, actually, at Arcade um, one night, and um, they were super generous, and I'm like, oh, so you did some improv in Chicago, why don't you come and like play with us for a little bit? And um, being sort of new to the improv scene here, I didn't really have anything established at all in terms of you know, ways to meet people or whatever, so through George, um, getting to come in just have a lot of fun with these guys and to see that respect um, for someone like me who just kind of came in out of nowhere, um, I thought made, like allowed me to do better improv with them just because it just, it didn't feel like work. It just it felt like, oh, these guys really want to do this and they're cool with having me here. So I felt very, very welcomed and that was great. Nice. Uh, you, you started to talk about coming into that rehearsal. Um, it, I get the the vibe that Woody follows a um, a very similar approach, like rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. Um, Tessie, you had a good way of describing this, um, and maybe you can try to describe that now. And if, if anyone else wants to to add or um, contribute to that, but just kind of what what that rehearsal process has been like for you guys. Ben spoke of it a little bit earlier, but mostly Woody will come in with something he wants to focus on with us, something he wants to introduce, and it doesn't often have to do with the previous show per se, but it might, oh, we need to re rework on our scene work a little bit. Um, but he'll introduce a new element, maybe the transitions, and then we'll, or an another example would be um, doing split scenes. So we practice that for a while, and then we do a run where we're supposed to be utilizing the split scenes, and then he will some point stop it, let us go through the run and then stop it, and then we have to talk about other possibilities that we could go through, and it's not just talk about it, then we have to do another possibility. So yeah. we talk about it, and then we actually have to do even another possibility. So it's not just letting us sort of get away with not really thinking about it, we actually have to go through the process and do it and then we do a run at the end, basically, where we're trying to incorporate all the things we've been working on. 
And I'll add to that. Uh, yeah, I think, and there's also uh, stopping, like, quick analysis of a show while you're doing it in practice. So, like, stopping and just maybe quickly talking about a scene. And, yeah, we'll also be able to go back and do it again, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure thing. Like, if you had made this choice, what would have happened? Then you could sort of get a sense of how your choices affect the show. Uh, and that really, I'd never tried that before, and that affects how I approach improv and coaching and all that. It's been a pretty big influence for me. Uh, and also, I, and touching on what Tessa said about uh, not necessarily just working on what happened in the last show, uh, uh, one thing that I've got the sense of with Woody is that if you work on something in practice and maybe you don't bring it up in a show, he's not going to be upset about that. He'll be like, okay, so you, you, we worked on this in practice. Uh, you worked on this transition. You didn't do it, but it didn't come up, so fine. Like, you have it in the tool belt. In, the, in your tool belt, you use it if it comes up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Maybe it's not your thing. But uh, we'll work on it, and if you don't use it, there's no judgment. If you do, that's great. So yeah, definitely like that. helping us build our tool, tools for the show. The, uh, the idea of the kind of talking, analyzing, uh, restarting a scene sounds very appealing to me. Uh, I can also see how it might be frustrating if you haven't done it before. Uh, was there... A, a time for any of you guys coming into this, like uh, where it took some getting used to that that style, or are still getting used to that style, or is that something that people were like, yeah, like let me jump in and roll with this? I I, I really like it now, and I didn't take me long to like it at all. But at the crux of it, you're reworking things that you just did, and the thing I hate worse in the world is to like look at me do bad stuff. So it would be like an instantaneous reminder of, oh, that was that was shitty as hell. <laughs> and so to be reminded of that so instantaneously was kind of a, a tough pill to swallow, but it was not like that at all. It was just my weird perception of it at the time. It, um, in fact, took pressure off a lot of the times in rehearsals um, when you when you get numerous opportunities, many cracks at the whip, it, uh, you know, you don't have to think anymore. You just do it and then you listen to Woody and try something new. And, and it's, I like it a lot now, yeah. yeah. One thing I really liked uh, is that feedback. You don't really get that a lot. So it's kind of that personal feedback of saying, well, you made this decision here and it's not everyone looking at you. It's not everyone saying, well, obviously you screwed up here. <laughs> it's let's re-examine this. So then when you're in a show and you're doing it later, you say, well, I made that decision before, but now I can make this decision. Because that was the, obviously, because everyone feels like they're contributing a lot more, contributing it better when you're forced to run through that scene again with the, the kind of flaw pointed out or whatever the issue was. Uh, you know, it didn't work out or it led to some scenes that didn't make any sense. So then everybody can work together and say, oh, now we're working better as a team, now we're all. No, it makes more sense. Great. Uh, one other uh, quote about his style that was interesting to me is uh, Lauren, we mentioned before, said that Woody isn't afraid to push you. Um, does anyone have a, a specific time that they can think of where, where he was really, uh, where he wasn't afraid to push you and it, and it really paid off for you? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, yeah, no one, thing, one thing I like is he's not afraid to call you out on your bullshit. So I have these horrible tra you know, traits of my own 
or I'll tell a story and then he'll just be like, stop doing that. And so <laughs> this is what you need to do. You're doing it wrong. And I, I, I love that. And I yeah. really appreciate it. And you don't feel like you're being you know, pointed out or you're being drawn out in front of the, the class or anything. And you just feel like, here's how you can be a better contributing member of the team. Yeah. And it feels good. Yeah, my limited experience with coaches, a lot of them kind of tiptoe around the issue and be overly polite. I mean, maybe more of a, a diplomat than anything else. Uh, Woody's doing it in a kind and thoughtful way, but as Dave just said, he will just call you out in front of everybody and be just, no, stop it, that's awful. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> and he's done that to me many times when I go on a long, rambling rant. So, uh, uh, But it hasn't rained me in yet, so <laughs> F you, Woody. No, uh, no it's, uh, it, it really is just, you can tell that he cares even if he is being blunt, and, and that's great. It, it gets stuff done, and it, and it you know, puts you at ease after a while, so it's good. George, do you have something to add? Well, I just have a specific, I just remembered. Uh, I kept breaking in rehearsal, and he came up to me, and he uh, pretended to punch my balls. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. He just, and you know, he, he was smiling, but there was also definitely like, don't do that, or I'll punch your ball. <laughs> so, and now I think about that when I break a little. <laughs> Try not to. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, I guess we have been, uh, so I'll skip that segue. Uh, <laughs> ben, you mentioned that. Um, hey yo, that's just water everywhere. Um, you mentioned that WKS was focused on pushing Harold in ways that people hadn't seen before. So this is, um, I think, early on. I know you guys have been moving away from Harold. Um, how did the team develop that that focus on really um, pushing Harold? I, I even said in my introduction, like I, I I think I saw Harold in a new way as I was watching you guys um, grow and develop. Um, and, and what were some of the techniques that that allowed you to to do that? Well, like we had, a lot of us had been on Harold teams before, or at least had seen a lot of them before. Uh, so just having a new approach was very encouraged. It was just kind of fun to like, just try something new, to try a new approach. Uh, and so things that we did, uh, like just the trying to make the show as seamless as possible, I really loved that. Instead of not really sweeping things ever, just kind of trying to transition, it really forces the team to work together. If you're not going to sweep, it's not one person's decision. If one person decides to edit, uh, if you're going to do an organic edit and step on and just take over the stage, you need one other person to come up if you're going to try to like move something along, you need someone else to help you. So uh, the fact that it really, f those type of transitions really forced us to work as a team was, uh, I really enjoyed that. And then having more of a theme throughout the show, uh, I, that, I thought that was really cool. And pushing like the, char the hero's journey. Uh, so I, I like, I like both, I like a lot of approaches to Harold. I mean, there's the type where you can be more focused on game and like replaying games and second beats. And then there's uh, what we do, which is more what we describe the hero's journey, like following a character throughout the show more than games throughout the show. Uh, so I think both of those are totally valid. It's just this one tended to click with us a little more. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things that are interesting and I wanna make sure we develop a little, little more for people less familiar. Um, but uh, definitely when to hit on this hero's journey, it's something that Woody mentioned on, on his episode as well. Um, it, uh, can you just elaborate a little bit more on, especially because that's kind of what, what you guys focus on, you said like, so what exactly does that 
like how, how does that focus influence how you look at, at Harold? Well, when we, when we did Harold, uh, it was taking, uh, in our first speech, just taking a compelling character and seeing like, what does this character want? Uh, throughout the show, this person is either gonna get it or lose it, so how do we find that out? And it's not necessarily in a plot way, it's just taking them to their next natural step, uh, or unnatural step if you feel like it, and uh, just playing it out. So uh, just by that character having that want and being in a new situation, you'll find different games throughout the scene by introducing new characters. It just forces new things to happen. So it kind of keeps you on the, your toes a lot, I think, pushing it that way. And in your first, uh, I guess, third or half of the Herald, you have these three kind of disparate scenes introduced. Does one hero emerge out of those, or does each scene introduce its own hero that eventually one hero emerges? Well, in the first beats, uh, ideally you'd have six potential heroes. Like, if you have three two-person scenes, it's great when every character has a potential that you could follow. It's just only throughout the show that you end up finding out maybe we have three protagonists, maybe we have one that we really care about. Uh, it's not necessarily predefined who, who you're gonna be following the most. Uh, Travis, you said that, uh, so talking less at a global scale and more down to the scene level, um, that Woody digs into the heart of scenes from the emotional aspect, and that was something that really resonated with you. Um, was that something that you had been exposed to in life before, um, or was that something more that, that you, you knew you liked and, and saw with him, and, and was it a challenge to get more of the team playing that way? Um, yeah, he, he's really good at making us connect with each other before a scene begins. Um, and it's something that was more, re when I first came on, it, it, I don't think it was something that happened all too often, because when we're working on Harold, we kind of want to drive uh, more towards a character or kind of figuring out what they're all about, maybe their game or something. And as we moved away from Harold and into kind of the stuff we're doing now, <clears throat> we started connecting more emotionally at the tops of scenes because it just uh, gives you a lot to work with once the scene starts to develop. Uh, it's something I like working with. I think there's all kinds of different ways to attack a scene, but uh, to me, I, this way is very effective and I think it's worked really well for us, but I'm sure there's all kinds of different ways that he also wants to work on and that will try in the future, but for right now, this has kind of been our focus, and I think it's been working well. Yeah. And this is uh, also throughout the, the piece, um, so like if you're in um, later uh, section, like out, outside of even the opening when there is these ideas and other things you're talking about, you still have that, that mode of kind of connecting emotionally uh, at the top of a scene or throughout a scene. Right, yeah, I mean, his, the, I think what he likes to do is just to make sure the, the characters in the scene care about each other. They don't have to necessarily like each other, but as long as they care about one another, they can uh, connect emotionally and make a scene happen. He says, like, apathy's one of the worst enemies a scene can have, so if a, if a character wanted to get up and walk out of a scene, they can do that in real life. Um, <laughs> yeah. So th there has to be something connecting the people in the scene and it, the strongest way to do that is through emotion. Um, I want to 
move a little bit away from the work and get back to this idea of like some of the unique aspects that just some were designed and some just sort of gelled among well-known strangers. Um, many of you mentioned to me how each person in the team brings something unique to the table. Like it's not a team made up of uh, all clever game people or all actorly people or all you know initiative people. Um, I thought it might be fun to go around, and not everyone has to, but maybe a few of you can say like, here is something that this other person brings that's something I don't have or, or something that <laughs> I'm thankful that they bring to the table just to demonstrate that for me. Because so many of you really said like, everyone brings something different. And I thought it might be helpful to explain what some of those things are. Uh, yeah, I'll kick it up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if if I had to put WKS on like a on a scale or a spectrum, I guess the the way that it kind of pops in my head as far as types of players, I see uh, like Brett on one end. Um, he he's a very uh, driven player who can really um, make a scene work. He's a great initiator and can uh, do a lot and just carry a scene. He can even just throw it in and make a scene. Um, really pop. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I see Ben, who is an extremely supportive player who can uh, just respond and receive anything that you throw at him and really roll with it and make sense with it, even if the top might be a little fuddled. So it, it's nice to have both of these types of players, very different people on a team like this. I think it's what makes us well-rounded and part of the reason that we're able to stick around and put out some quality shows from time to time. Yeah. You could just line up in order on that spectrum. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to throw anything out on that topic? Um, I thought of things of more as uh, intersecting hoops, like a three-circle Venn diagram. And <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I think we have... I think that I'll, I'll say a few of who people go on one of these circles, but I first want to say that I think part of us all liking each other is that there's this variety and we're all interested in one another's approaches and influenced by one another's approaches. But I, I see some of us are very um, erudite improvisers, like really studying improv, writing notes, uh, reflecting, and like Travis and Ben both do that a lot. I see people approaching from an actor's world maybe and where there's like Connor and Dan was coming from there I know Brett goes into that circle a little bit and then I see just like uh, an intuitive approach um, which I think was harder for me to define but just coming in and you know maybe studying improv a little bit studying ac acting a little bit but just like approaching it emotionally and I see and, and from an instinct a comedic instinct and like Tammy's in there and I think Alistair, Dave, George, I think uh, Nicole is from there. We all uh, intersect a bit, and that's how I look at it. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's some great characters. George has fantastic characters. There's uh, the goofy, like, naturally funny people, like uh, Dave and Tammy, and then there's just the dirtiest stuff possible, which is definitely Tammy. <laughs> 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 incredible. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a lot. <laughs> so that, yeah, I just wanted to make that point. <laughs> I know um, the past couple months when we were trying to redo our team and add more people as people were moving away, we decided we needed like some people to um, get us out of our heads a little bit more and maybe add some serious, funny characters and get us out of like our um, heady rut, I guess, that maybe we, uh, not really rut, but. Um, and so when Alistair, George, and Dave came along, and Stacy, she's not here. Um, when they all came along, we're like, <laughs> She's not with us right now. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we liked the fact that they all brought like extreme characters and just like off the wall shit that no one else really would think of. And I, I mean, just, you know, crazy. And we liked it. We needed a little crazy. I think another thing that we loved in all the new people, uh, George Alistair, Dave, and Stacy, is that every one of them is totally fearless. Every one of them will, if they see a scene, need something, they're not going to hesitate. They're all going to be out there and doing it with no reservation whatsoever. So that's huge, and that I love that. Uh, I have this whole analogy about a hockey team and improv being the same thing. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. Uh, just that... Who's um, the bruiser? Uh, Quack, quack. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more of like of a, um, a Sidney Crosby and the rest of these. <laughs> working with a team of Sean Avery's. There is like 3% of the people who like improv and also like hockey that much. Uh, but no, um, the best hockey teams have role players who not only perform in their own natural abilities and really play them up, but learn a little bit from every other player, give in to them, but when it's time to, you know, if you are a bruiser, when it's time to bruise, you bruise. And, uh, but you can also, working with a player who really sets things up, learn to do that as well. So that got muddled immediately. So I'll, I'll, I'll switch to this. Uh, we have very grounded people that we definitely need. Like Travis will bring reality to any scene, even if it's like wackadoo. He will bring reality to it because he plays such these sincere and real characters and I think that's the best thing that you could do. I have a hard time not being a, a goof um, but so many of these people can just really bring sincerity to a scene. What about Jane Potato Bread? Well, she, <laughs> she comes from a real place. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I'd be remiss. Uh, I want to try to I think we're going to squeeze this head in here. Uh, I want to ask Real quick, just if you could talk a little bit about, because um, we didn't bring it up that much, is what you guys are working on now. I know you said you've moved away from Harold. Um, so what's the, the current and, and future WKS looking like in terms of what you're working on? Uh, I, I don't know how to talk about the, like, the overall picture, but like the last couple of rehearsals, it seemed like we've been really diving into the idea of um, like finding what the id of is the scene, like in the first couple lines. like knowing exactly what information has been given in the first line and using everything about maybe those first few words to just dive deeper rather than sort of jumping from puddle to puddle and kind of trying to find out where you are. Um, and even if it's just like a look or those, the first word that just comes out of your mouth, even if you haven't planned it, um, allowing that to sit with you for a second and then making the scene exactly about that first scene, uh, that first line rather, um, instead of sort of 
essentially like chatting or bantering for like three or four lines and then like, oh, okay, I think I've, I've, I think we've figured it out. Um, so again, yeah, on like a large scale, I don't really know in terms of, I don't know, changing up the, the way the show looks, but um, just like really grounded scene work is what I've been working on recently. Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's no real structure to it. I think it's still evolving uh, even right now. So uh, we might do the hero's journey instead of spreading it out through the show, like in a Herald and first and second, third beats. Like maybe we'll push it all in one scene and then start something totally different. And maybe we'll come back to it and maybe we won't. So uh, there's a lot of freedom in it now, which is uh, scary and new. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think we'll continue evolving with that. Yeah, with, with the freedom kind of breaking away from the old Herald structure. Um, I just hear a lot of people that are hesitant to use the word montage, and it comes with some sort of like negative connotation that <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> your, sh your show doesn't have a forum. But I mean, some of the best shows I've seen or participated in ha have been these montages because they're so freeing, and you're able to follow what's interesting to the players instead of having to come back and revisit things uh, out of obligation. Um, so it, it's nice for us, and we're all good about knowing what's interesting enough to follow and what to bring back. And we have those uh, distinctive characters. Someone could walk on stage with some kind of physicalization and we know, oh, this guy's coming back. We, we're back at this place and we're gonna see this some kind of scene again in a different setting maybe. So yeah, it's just we've learned how to communicate a lot better non-verbally just by playing with each other for the past few months or years for some of us or however long it's been. Yeah. I also want to add that I think it's been really exciting to do have montage and be more free. We've, what are you still bringing new things to the practices to work on? Like the split scenes or having many people on the stage who then can become objects that are used in the scenes. Different things that we're, we've been practicing and that we're free to use or fold in at any time. And that's been fun. Cool. Well, let's let's do some improv. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are the well-known strangers and Brian Gray. Um, <laughs> All we need is a suggestion of a phrase or sentence, something along the lines of "We just did." like probably three quarters of a podcast, hopefully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, pizza is good. <laughs> Easy as pie. Easy as pie. Could you say it one more time for me, please? Easy as pie. Easy, Easy as pie. Thank you. Shoes. <laughs> you grew up with him, but now, 
you're better than them now, okay? When did that transition take place? Hey, uh, I'm free this Friday and the next week. If you want to come over and, you know, play some polo in the backyard. I'd love to, Gail. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's very big of you. Thanks. Dale, he's not going to be playing polo with you anymore, okay? He's got a company to run. He's got priorities and oh. things to do with his time. You can't, you can't talk for me. I'd love to come play polo. It's, it's got to be after, it's got to be after five o'clock, obviously. So I'll be here for them. Yeah, whatever. Hey, man. As you know, I got a lot of free time now, but just wanted to let you know you can still. Come hang out on my yacht if you want to. If you want to. That'd be that'd be really nice, Earl. Thank you. He is busy from dusk till dawn. Okay, he he can't come out. He he has a company to run. He's a busy man. I'm sorry, am I interrupting something? I just thought I'd give you the option of coming on my private sub. It's like it's, just, it's cool. It's like you can like see the coral, but I'll probably be out there for like the next couple weeks. That's. That's really sweet. I thought you, I, I didn't think you guys would have this chipper and attitude. Well, you're not really chipper, but you would be nice and offering me things. So, um, thanks for joining me on Playboy Millionaire Space Shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they said I'd have to give it up after, well, what happened yesterday, but uh, I'm glad you could be here. Hey, you invite me. I, I'll be honest, I expected. Bunnies. Just uh, they're just painted on the outside. I thought there'd be women in the space shuttle. Oh, there used to be. But I, I won't. <laughs> we could probably call some up. Yeah. Oh, in that's right. Yeah, I had to switch from my space plan because of the job thing. So now we can't call back. <laughs> There's some copies. No, we had to make we had to make room. Room for what? I don't know. <laughs> Change, man. One day it's worse. I'm, st I'm still dad. the same. Um, sir, you can stand up. I want to go over your assets with you. I... <laughs> it's Honestly, just that I have to take a quick prayer before these things. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. And quite frankly, it seems that the Lord might be the only thing to save you. Oh. You. I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to trade in your luxury liner cruise to the whole Disney Island. I'm sorry, you're gonna, you're gonna have to sell it. Well, that's fine, okay? You don't get far in life without making a few sacrifices. What about uh, my mechanical dog? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been juggling some numbers. I've been, I've been looking to the left and the right, and they're so adorable. <laughs> But you know what? You know what? I hate to tell you this, but I just don't know if it can work. So I already called in the adoption council. No. The adoption council's gonna have to come in and just—they're gonna find a safe home for your mechanical dog. No, Rex. Oh, it's the adoption council here. Oh, she's dripping with water. That's no good, Rex. That's no good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To do this to sorry. You've been my best client. And by the way, I. Oh, 
stay up here. Just come in. It's about your husband. Fine. <laughs> I know everything about him. Upon his re-entry to the atmosphere, the <laughs> shuttle broke apart and disintegrated. I so I wished it up on him. Are you saying I'm going to jail? I... Because you can't prove anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm trying to tell you that upon re-entry, something malfunctioned and there are parts still falling. I, uh, sorry I didn't come at this hour, but it's, it's, your, it's your parents. Yeah? They, uh, they, they died by being, I think, marshmallows just fill their internal organs. We've never seen anything like this in my medical practice. So I personally came to your house to tell you that they're both suddenly dead. Did you feed them these things? No, no, no one got near them. What's their fault then? <laughs>
Um, but now it, it's kind of a, a tool that we have that we can get a character into some other kind of situation uh, somewhere else where, because we want to follow that guy because we like him for some reason, so we want to put him in a, another place, and we'll, we'll do that for a while until we're ready to move on, um, whether we take it too far or, <laughs> or not, yeah, it is another thing. But yeah, taking those big risks uh, and following what we think is interesting um, is, I think, where the support kind of comes from because we need to support each other in that way. One, one move that I really liked as well was uh, something that you, you, is not as easy in Herald is like you came to the door, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you about your husband. Could have been any number of scenes, right? Like if that second line was, uh, you know, uh, it wouldn't be this, but it was just like, oh, my husband, the, uh, the uh, mortuary worker, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. Like it, it could have been its whole other own scene, uh, or it could, like you had this idea, but it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't in this certain part of a certain form that it had to be that second beat. So it opens up more possibilities, and then as the scene progresses, it whittles them down. That was fun for me. Um, if any of you guys have questions for the well-known strangers, either about that uh, that set that we just did, or in general, about anything, they may have to share a mic with you, uh, or you can yell it out and we'll repeat it. Um, but start thinking about some questions. If you have one, just yell or, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Hello. Um, so with the turnover of people, I'm really curious because it seems like, like uh, you were just talking about you have like a way of, you know how your tag outs kind of work. So there's like an institutional knowledge sort of from the team as a whole. But when people leave, they take some of that with them and some of the skills and the ways of doing that. And other people are bringing it. Like do you write anything like that down? Do you have a manual of how to be a well-known stranger? <laughs> or is it, do you make a concerted effort in the coaching or things to m transfer it, or do you just kind of move on? Do you just let it evolve, or both, or none? Uh, yeah, I think we mostly just let it evolve. Uh, so when we're, like our opening, for example, when we when we started to, well, we've done it for a long time, so when we had new people, maybe it was just people who had been in the group who did the opening for a little bit, but people will pick up on it really quickly. Uh, so that helps that we bring in people who are fearless, and maybe they'll I mean, they can't really mess it up. I mean, uh, even if they do, like, we'll support them because that's what we do. Uh, yeah, going back to sort of coming into this team, um, it's seeming like most of you guys were unit. Obviously, a few of us came in around the same time, like Dave and George and Stacy, but um, I, I was never given an, uh, a manual <laughs> to be a well-known stranger. And, uh, yeah, I think it is just that that faith that... Every scene will evolve and that you know for a fact that everyone else is supporting you and when you have something you can um, in, uh, inject into a scene that uh, moves it forward or follows that one great character into the perfect situation that gets the huge laugh. Um, it feels fairly natural, actually. I don't know. Uh, anyone else have a question? Yeah. Hi. Uh um, I was wondering what uh, exciting discoveries you've made either as a group or as individuals in your rehearsal and performance process. Thank you. <laughs> 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 
Um, yeah, uh, coming into well-known strangers um, six months ago when, uh, I mean, we just added these, these uh, four new players recently. Um, but it was, uh, when I came in, the first thing I noticed, it was a very uh, clever, witty, uh, I don't want to say heady, but they, they were just really smart in all the ways they played. Um, and that's not something that I felt like I was very strong in when I came in, but as you play with people, you kind of adopt their qualities in, in the way that they play. And I think um, that was kind of the, the spirit or tone of the group for a while. And then as we had a lot of people leave and new people come on, I feel like we have so many people now that are uh, different and good at different things. So... The, the group did become a little more well-rounded. I mean, we, we still have that cleverness, but we also can play physically and follow the, the crazy stuff and be goofy and do whatever on stage. But yeah, it, it just taught me to work on little areas that I hadn't really considered before, which was nice. Um, one thing it made me do was I think when I started playing with people outside of the group or would continue to play improv with people outside of the group, I, it would occur to me that I didn't necessarily feel supported, which was a, which was not always true. But in moments, I would not feel supported. And so it made me really appreciate that this group works regularly together so that I can feel supported. Also, it made me realize that to up my game in doing that outside of this group for others. Uh, any other questions? All right, uh, I have one more because you mentioned a few times uh, the the kind of what you were working on earlier, lining up with the name "Well-Known Strangers." Uh, did that name carry significant weight for you, or how did that name come about? <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, it was a long process of uh, really tinkering around with just the right name, and, and we really centered ourselves and thought, what is it going to take? You know, Woody gave the name to us. <laughs> we, were, we, we were early in our uh, inception, and uh, we had no name, and we were really just open to anything and, and struggling to come up with anything, and, and Woody was like, how do you feel about well-known strangers? <laughs> and like, I could see the light bulbs above our heads being like, yeah, that's great. And we jumped on it and there was no looking back. I should mention that Lauren Kozlowski wanted us passionately, passionately to be laser fist. And he <laughs> felt very undermined when that didn't happen. So we got off on a rough foot. Uh, but well-known strangers, yeah, means absolutely nothing to us. Uh, I think we were about to go on stage when he was like, how about this? I think someone Googled it real quick. They're like, yeah, there's already a rap group in Minneapolis that has that name, but uh, screw it, we're going on stage anyway. So <laughs> I think that was pretty much it. Well, if you were looking for a podcast interview with the Minneapolis rap group, <laughs> I apologize that you made it through this hour-long <laughs> interview. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for doing so. Uh, before we wrap up, do you guys have something you want to plug? Anything you want to plug to our 
our uh, tens of listeners. <laughs> and to the millions out in internet land. Uh, yeah, if you make it to Pittsburgh out there in the internet or you here in the room who are already in Pittsburgh, you should come to the Pittsburgh Improv Jam every Thursday at yeah. 10 p.m. Yeah, you can <laughs> improvise with us. Uh, you can see us improvise or you can see some of Pittsburgh's other great groups improvise. So yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and this podcast is, uh, we are here now in the Arcade Comedy Theater. Uh, they have classes just started to enroll by the time this comes out. Eh, I don't know when it'll come out, so uh, enroll in classes. Uh, check out shows here every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, if you loved this episode as much as I did, uh, please come back Thursday, March 20th. Uh, we'll be back here, uh, same time, 8 o'clock, with a guest to be announced in excitement. Um, our podcast was recorded today in front of a live audience at said RK Comedy Theater in Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, special, special thanks to Zach Simons uh, on the ones and twos uh, for tech and production support, Michelle Horsley for our opening theme, and of course, the incomparable well-known strangers. For this and past episodes, head on over to brianmgray.com slash podcast. And please, please, please give me a review on iTunes because otherwise no one will ever hear it. And if you do, probably still no one will hear it because I'd need like a thousand to compete with any other improv podcast. But thank you guys. You've been awesome. Awesome.